We are smack dab in the middle of this series called Elements. And if this is your first time with us since we got into this series, this ser- in this series we're talking about a list of character traits in the New Testament called the fruit of the Spirit. And basically the idea behind the fruit of the Spirit is that this is a list of character traits that every Christian should have in their lives. These are traits that should be present in the lives of all Christians, emphasis on the should. And as we go through this, um, what we're going to see is these are these amazing traits that are supposed to be a natural part of how we live our lives every single day as believers in Christ. Um, Now, let's look at the full list of the fruit of the Spirit um, to see all these attributes that we should have. Um, For those of you that have been here for the duration of this series, what I told you at the beginning of this series was if I don't do anything else in this series, I want to get most of you to know this list by heart. I at least want you to memorize this list of fruit. And so what I'm starting to do today is I'm putting blanks in. We're going to read them off the screen. We're going to read them aloud, and we're going to do, uh, I got some blanks in. And I just want to, this is just putting you guys to the test, okay? So here we go. Let's see how well we do with some blanks in this list of fruit of the Spirit. Um, I... I don't know. I think we'll, we'll, I think we'll do okay. I think you have to help me out, Deb. Technology's once again not my friend. Whoa, too far. Maybe. Nope. Maybe. Oh, kick me back. Oh, going forward. There we go. All right. Ready? Let's read these loud. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Very good. That was awesome. Most Now, hopefully you don't have your Bibles out and cheating because that's not fair, but uh, you guys did great. So that is the list that we got here. Here's the list with them filled in. I got that as the next slide just to help us out in case you don't know the fruit of the Spirit and you would like the help there. Um, now, like I said, these are character traits that we should have in our lives. They should be present in the lives of Christians. But as many of us know, um, one of the favorite words that non-Christians or non-church folks like to describe church folks is hypocrite. And anytime someone tells me, you know, I don't go to church or I don't like Christians because they're all just a bunch of hypocrites, my response to that is, you know what? You're right. We are a total bunch of hypocrites um, because Again, these are things that we should have in our lives, right? And we all know that. Many of you who are Christians, you would say, yeah, the Bible's God's word, and I agree with this list. These are things that should be present in our lives. Okay, now raise your hand if you think you're killing it at all nine. That's what I thought. I'd love to say that I am a peaceful person, but yet sometimes I leave here after preaching on being peaceful and have no trust in God and have anxiety all week. I'd love to say that I'm patient, but I like to hold grudges with people, and I like to get angry, and I have a short fuse. I love to say that my life is full of self-control, but the days I snooze my alarm over and over again and the midnight snacks I eat would say that I maybe am not always so full of self-control like I would hope to have. And so, you know, this is a kind of a problem. We hope to be these things. We hope to, to have these in our lives, but we don't always have them in our lives. And, you know, the thing about being a Christian is that when you become a Christian, it doesn't make you perfect. It doesn't. And nobody's shocked by that in the room. Now, it, it doesn't even do this. It, becoming a Christian doesn't even make you think that you're perfect. Now, to be fair, there are people in this world, there are Christians in this world who are arrogant, and they, are, they think they're all high and mighty, and they think they are morally superior than just about anybody else to ever walk in any room. But you know what? I've met some non-Christians who 
were arrogant and were, you know, just as, had the sense of that they were just as morally superior to everybody else in the room. And so I think that road kind of goes both ways. Sometimes I think some of the more arrogant Christians are the ones who end up with the biggest stage and the loudest microphone, but it's probably because they're reaching for that. They want a bigger platform. They want more praise and glory and honor and stuff. And so sometimes I think the world only sees maybe a bad slice of Christianity. But we don't become perfect the second we become Christians. Here's the difference. When we become Christians, we begin the process of becoming perfect. It's when God reaches out to us in this moment when we are sinners at our worst. Wherever we are, no matter how low of a pit we are, Jesus' salvation finds us in that spot. And then God, when we give our heart to Christ, begins the process of making us new and making us perfect. And so life, our lives, my life, your life, should be a a transformational thing where we are starting with Christ as we're a sinner. And day by day, we become more like him. And every day is just kind of a journey where we hope to be getting better. And so we're not there yet, but we're hoping to be. We're getting more and more and more. And so we will continue to hold up the standard of God because, oh, it's not there anymore. And we will continue to hold up this standard of God's word because it's the thing that we should be aspiring to. And because it's God's standard, that means it is true. Even if we can't reach it, it means it's true. Even if we can't be great at all nine of these all the time, it doesn't make it any less true that we should still be reaching for them every day. So just because we're not perfect, that's why we're hypocrites. We, or just because we're not perfect, we can still proclaim this, and that's why people call us hypocrites, because we're constantly holding up this perfect moral standard that even on our best days, we're not going to be able to reach. And that's okay as long as we are, by God's grace, moving forward, moving forward to try to be more like Christ every day. So if you think Christians are nothing but a bunch of hypocrites, um, don't judge Christ and don't judge our faith and don't judge God's word on our inability to perfectly keep God's perfect standard. We're works in progress and that's all that we are. Now, as we get into this uh, topic today, as I said, we're looking at the topic of kindness. Kindness, I got another slide for kindness here. Uh, That is the element of the day. And kindness is such an obvious thing. I'm going to be honest, as I was preparing for this series, one of the weeks I was the most scared of was kindness. Because, you know, your first thought is, what do you say about kindness? Doesn't everybody know? I mean, am I just going to stand up on stage for two minutes and say, just be nice, guys. I mean, can't you just be nice? Come on. Like, and let's pray. You know, what else is there to say, right, besides that? Um, and at the same time, kindness seems like such a trivial and small thing because it seems like it's just, hey, being friendly and being nice when you're out in the world. What can kindness really do? Can kindness really change anything? I mean, and some people uh, see kindness as a weakness, you know, you're just getting pushed around by everybody because you're, you're just being nice and you won't stand up and tell anybody what you think because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Some people think kindness is an out-and-out weakness. But kindness, is, it's not so obvious as you would think. It's not just about being a nice person. It's not about being a pushover or anything like that. Kindness is a really, really incredibly powerful thing. And believe it or not, a well-timed act of kindness can be life-changing for the person on the receiving end of it. Now, as I was trying to define kindness, what I found was it's very tough to define kindness because kindness is, I'm going to call it an umbrella word. It's an umbrella term. I don't know what, I'm making that up, but um, the way I say it is when you start to define kindness, what you find out is you have to talk about things like love and generosity and, and 
Oh, forgiveness and grace and mercy. And so all these other topics kind of fall under this overarching umbrella of kindness. And so to talk about kindness, you've got to kind of grab all these other things, and they all kind of fall under the umbrella of kindness. For instance, listen to this one definition that I found this week of kindness. Kindness is a state of being that includes attributes, the attributes of loving affection, sympathy, friendliness, patience, pleasantness, gentleness, and goodness. So basically, kindness is everything. Like, it's hard to narrow down kindness because it's such a big topic when you start looking at it. It goes on and says, kindness is a quality shown in the way a person speaks and acts. So we take all these things of love and kindness and grace and mercy, and they, they start manifesting themselves in how we live. It, it closes by saying that kindness is more volitional than emotional. Uh, now, so kindness is basically us taking all of these amazing traits, some of the ones that we've been talking about in this series, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's about living those out every single day. And I like the last line of that definition I gave you that love or kindness is more volitional than emotional. Uh, volitional is not a word I use every day, so uh, for those of you who might be like me and need a little help on the definitions. By the way, I get to stand up here every week after an entire week of preparation, and I get to read words in, that are way too big for my tiny little vocabulary, and I have this fun little software on my computer in my commentaries that I can double-click on any word. It just gives me the definition. So sometimes I look way smarter up here than I really am, and that's, that's just nice. So I just let you in the, on that a little bit. Uh, but volitional basically means that we are driven more by choice than by emotion, that kindness will be driven more by your choice to be kind, more than an emotional state where you will feel a desire to be kind. And that is great, because oftentimes your emotions will not lead you to the right place. Oftentimes your emotions will not lead you to do what is right. And so as believers in Christ, it is our choices to follow Jesus down the proper path that will separate us from everyone else in the world. We must choose to be kind. Our emotions will often not lead us there. Uh, this week, Abby and I have both kind of been down and out. She's perpetually morning sick. Uh, by the way, if you weren't here last week, we're having a baby. So if you missed that news, we're having a baby. And so um, like the rest, the other two kids we've got, uh, this, that's how we found out she was pregnant because she threw up. Yeah. And Which also, side note, Every time my wife gets a stomach flu, everyone's asking if we're pregnant. If I had a kid for every time one of you asked me if she was pregnant, I'd, I'd have a litter running around. I mean, I'd be like a duck with a trail of little ones behind me all. So sometimes she actually gets a stomach flu, and that's okay. Um, but this time she, like, she threw up a couple days in a row, and it was like, oh, man, this feels familiar. And so she's just morning sick all day long. And then I have been kind of down in the back uh, about a month or so ago, it was closer to Christmas or New Year's, I forget, but uh, I was carrying one of my kids to bed, and I leaned over to put him in bed, and I was like, oh, that's gonna, I'm gonna pay for that tomorrow, and it's been just a little sore and a little stiff, and, and then last week, when I was telling everybody that we were pregnant, you remember both my little boys came up here, and I was standing right here, and I said, let's pray, and so I closed my eyes and started doing the opening prayer, and Jude, who's two and a half, and just a little wrecking ball of a child, um, he decides to jump off the stage, and I have my eyes closed, and I can't see it coming, and he jumps off, and there's not enough of my arm to help him touch, and so he just kind of snags and, and swings, and I did that, 
And I was like, oh, man. And I knew right then. And if you were, had your eyes closed, you might have noticed that I was praying. I was like, and Heavenly Father, you know, and did one of those. And so, and I've been just like all week, just kind of been out of shape. And I, so there was, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday this week. We're, uh, we're just both laying on the couch being pitiful. And all of a sudden we hear dishes clanking together in the kitchen. We don't hear any boys talking. We don't hear any noises, which is dangerous. All we hear is dishes clanking, which means something's probably getting ready to get broken. And so I, with my best dad tone, yell from the couch because I couldn't get up. I yelled, boys, what are you doing? And we hear James, our four-year-old, say, we're putting the dishes away for you. I was like, oh. And Abby looks at me and she goes, can I cry? Because that is the sweetest thing. And I was like, of course you can cry. And so she cried, you know, and I was like, that is really sweet. And so we both kind of get up and hobbled into the kitchen and they were emptying the dishwasher and putting all the dishes away. I have a picture here of them putting the dishes away, you know, on the count so they can't reach where the cups go. And so they didn't even, they, obviously that's not how we typically put our dishes away, but they were trying to be very helpful and it was incredibly sweet. And so we uh, immediately get our phones out and we're taking pictures and I tell my kids, I was like, boy, we just made a big deal. Boys, you are awesome. That was so kind of you and so sweet. And we made a, the biggest deal. And I even put it on Facebook, not to brag about my kids. Okay, a little bit to brag about my kids. But a little bit, you know, hoping that people would see it and, be like, and, t and kind of, hey, good job, guys. Because we, Abby and I know, uh, and I think Andy Stanley said it this way, but we know that what is rewarded is repeated. And oftentimes, showing kindness is not going to be natural for us. Our emotions will not always lead us to be kind and considerate. Our emotions will often lead us to do what is best for us. And so we wanted to reward them and make a big deal about it and praise them because we want to foster this type of kindness and selflessness in their little hearts and in their little minds so that they can grow up to be men who are over-the-top kind. We don't want them to be guys who grow up to be navel-gazers who only do what is good for them. We want them to have hearts that think about other people. And in that moment, man, they were so spot-on and it was so sweet. And so we wanted to make a big deal of that because it's not always natural for us to be kind. Our emotional state will not always lead us straight to being kind. In fact, there are many times your emotions will lead you in the opposite direction of kindness. Now this type of kindness is described, we're going to go to Luke chapter 6. If you want to grab a Bible, go ahead and do that. If you don't have one, if you don't own a Bible, that black Bible will be near you. You can use that one. Um, and you can take that home even. That's our gift to you if you don't own a Bible. If you want to use your phone or a Bible app on a tablet, that's fine too. The verses will also be on the screen. Now as we go start into this passage, you'll notice that there's really nothing in it about kindness. That's because kindness is this term that uses words like love and forgiveness and all these other things fit into kindness. And so it'll look like we're not talking about kindness, but kindness shows up in the end and that's exactly what we're talking about. So Luke chapter 6. We'll start in verse 27. He says, but to you who are listening, and this is Jesus, by the way, this is Jesus preaching, and he says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them, the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Meaning, even sinners do what's natural. What's natural is to only love the people that love you, only show kindness to those who show kindness to you. That's the natural thing. 
It says, and if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is, is that what I just read? It's so similar here. I looked away. I shouldn't have done that. And if you do, anyway, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, children of God, meaning we will be like our Father in heaven. We will resemble Him in the way my kids looked like me when they were bald, okay? We will resemble God because we will be showing traits like Him. We will be children of the Most High God because He is what? Kind. So all those other things, when we're loving and we're forgiving and we're, we're helping people without any judgment, that is the kindness of God. And when we show those things, we will be like God because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And so we will show the kindness of God through all of these behaviors. Now, if kindness is driven by our emotions, it's never going to lead us to that place. It's never going to lead us to live our lives that resemble anything like that verse. Because I have heard the verse, turn the other cheek since I was a kid, and I have yet to have the desire to do it. Anybody else? I've had lots of people be mean to me and jerks through my, through my life, and I've never just said, okay, lay another one on me here. I've never done that. I just, it is, I've never just thought, you know what, I think I want a little more punishment. Let's go for it. I've never done that ever in my life because our emotions don't always lead us to the type of kindness that God is asking us to show. Um, I'd love to say that I can lend it to people without ever expecting it back. But I, ha I still, to this day, I remember everybody in college who borrowed one of my movies and never returned them. I'm still looking for the movie Frequency. Somebody borrowed that in college and have it back. If you know that movie, it's a good one. Most people haven't ever seen it, but it's quality. Um, but at, I'm telling you, I, I, I just, there's this, those things. Like I would love to be like, okay, you know what? I'm that kind of kind. I can let those things go. But it's just not natural. It's not our emotions that will lead us to kindness, but oftentimes it is our choices to take intentional steps in the direction of Jesus that will lead us to showing the type of kindness that he's asked us to. And you know, because followers of Jesus, we don't do what's easy. We don't do what's natural. We don't do what everybody else is doing. We do what is right, because that's how Christ has called us to live. And I think the choosing to show kindness even when it's hard, even when emotionally it is a struggle to do that, that's what separates the followers of Christ from everybody else. That's what makes us stick out in a world where everybody can oftentimes look the same. Because the kindness of Christ doesn't just lead us to love those who love us. It doesn't just teach us to serve those who serve us, to be good to those who are good to us. It leads us to show kindness indiscriminately to anyone at any time. If someone is in need of kindness, we show that type of kindness. It leads us to be the kind of people who just kind of radiate kindness. It just kind of comes out of us. We're just walking through life being kind. And because kindness has all these other words wrapped up into it, when we radiate kindness, we're radiating love. We're being generous to everybody we encounter. We're being over-the-top forgiving even to the people that don't deserve it one tiny little bit. And so that's what we hope to be. We hope to be the kind of people who can radiate that stuff out everywhere we go. And kindness can be kind of hard to nail down on the practical side of it because it can be anything, really. I mean, it, kindness is only limited by your imagination and your willingness to help people in any given moment. I mean, it can range from you pulling up to the gas station and while you're 
pumping your gas. You hear the mom in the car next to you or kids screaming, and she's clearly frustrated. Okay, so you walk inside the gas station, and you say, I got pump three and whatever pump she's on. That's kindness. Or it could be that impossible moment that maybe you've been waiting for when you're driving down the road, and you see that person who's always kind of a jerk to you. You see them on the side of the road with a flat tire, and your emotions make you just want to go, <laughs> and just drive by and wave with a little smile, okay? But you pull over, and you help anyway. That's still kindness. As long as you don't just sit there and go, hey, remember that time you were a jerk to me, and now I'm being nice to you? Just think about that. Like, you don't say things like that to be kindness doesn't hold those grudges or hold that. It's not delivering that dish of humble pie. That's not kindness. It's just helping them in their time of need. So kindness can be just about anything and everything, and it's very difficult. In fact, uh, it's very difficult to kind of identify and to nail down what falls under the umbrella of kindness because it's, it can be anything. Um, we have an incredible opportunity right now for kindness. I talked about in the announcements. We have a family in, right here within a stone's throw from our church who lost everything in a fire, and they need help. And the, the cool thing is, is that um, I don't need to know this family to help them. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know their names. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, I don't know if I've met them before. I don't think that I have. And so it's like, okay, but that does, does that matter for me to show kindness? I don't know if they're the nicest people on earth or the most crass. I don't know if they're holy, regular church attenders. I don't know if they're strung out addicts. I don't have a clue. But, you know, that's the thing about kindness is that it's very simple. It's not easy to do, but it's simple. Because if people need help, we as believers in Christ, we radiate out that kindness. And it's, so it's simple. So it's like, okay, are these people nice to me? Be kind. Are they mean to me? Be kind. Is it a homeless person? Be kind. What if they're going to spend it on alcohol? Be kind. What if it's somebody who has consistently treated me with disrespect every time we've ever had an interaction? Be kind. See, that's not easy, but man, it is incredibly simple because the rule, no matter who you're encountering, is be kind. I mean, that list that Jesus gives, I mean, he, we, we hear those verses all the time. Oh, love your enemies. We say that all the time in church. But man, putting the, the, where the rubber meets the road on that, that, it gets so impossible and so difficult. And so I understand it's not easy. But to understand this topic of kindness, it's, it's pretty easy to understand. It's pretty easy to understand the bar which has been set for us. And uh, oftentimes I, you know, I think this is why we, we get called hypocrites. Because man, that is a high bar to reach, isn't it? Because there's a lot of emotional baggage, you know, we're walking around with backpacks of all the memories of, you know, all the people that have been mean to us, and there's that little part in my heart, too, that just hopes I catch that person that was a jerk to me on the side of the road with a flat tire, or maybe on a day like today, stuck in the ditch, okay, and it's like, hey, yeah, you sit there and freeze, man, yeah, you, you iced me out that one time, now you just sit and soak it up, you know, there's that part in my heart, it's not great, okay, I don't want it to be there, but it's there. And, and chances are many of you are carrying that same kind of baggage too. And we're going to have days where we just knock it out of the park and we're kind to people. But we're going to have those moments where we don't quite live up to that bar of kindness. And we repay evil for evil. And we're rude to the people that are rude to us. And people call us hypocrites. But the other word that people like to call us is judgmental. That's the word that quickly comes after hypocrite. Well, here's what I think. I think everybody is judgmental. I think every human being is judgmental. Part of human nature is to look at people and judge them based on our past experiences. 
That's just what we do. We do that with every situation. It's kind of a human, this is how we gauge and navigate our world and try to stay safe. We look at things and we judge it based on our experiences. We do that with people. Okay? Everybody does that. Where I think sometimes we Christians get into trouble is when we let that snap judgment affect how we treat them. That's when I think people start to call us judgmental. That's what they mean when they say we're judgmental. It's because we look and we use those snap judgments or, oh, I know what kind of person they are. To, to treat them in a less than kind way. But kindness, true kindness, Christ-like kindness says, no, anytime you encounter somebody, no matter what they are, no matter what your snap judgment says, you show them kindness anyway. And so that's what we're called to. And it's, I, I'll be honest with you, incredibly, incredibly difficult to kind of get my mind around that. And it's incredibly difficult to get my heart around that because I have a lot of baggage of people treating me poorly that's going to try to motivate me in the wrong direction. But Christians, we are not to be motivated by the people and how they have treated us. We are to be motivated, and this shouldn't surprise you, by our Savior and how he has treated us. You see, the first thing that, that we should use as our determining factor when we are deciding how to live our lives is how has Christ treated me? And believe it or not, so many things kind of come back to that such central issue of how has Jesus treated me? And we are just called to go show that to everybody else. And kindness is no different. It has its root in Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to go uh, read the end of Ephesians chapter 4, last two verses, and the first two verses of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 4, we'll start in verse 31. Yeah, it's right in there. I, cha- I probably typed something wrong. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander. Now, brawling, that'll get you hit on the other cheek, but you'll probably get a few punches in before that happens, I think. Uh, but that's not the way you're supposed to get the other cheek hit, by the way. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Malice is when you desire bad things for other people. It's when you want them to suffer, you want them to hurt, you want them to, to lose out. But instead of all that stuff, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children of God. Be kind and compassionate as dearly loved children of God, and walk in the way of love. Again, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up, for us. It is never about how have they treated you. It's never about how do they deserve to be treated. It is always about here's an opportunity. How has Christ treated me? With overwhelming kindness. He took my sin and he, and he put it on his shoulders and he paid the price. I, sh- I deserve to die for my sin. My worst moments are appalling and you might fire me as your pastor if we can make them in a movie and put them all up here. Okay, My worst moments are awful and Jesus took those on him and he paid the punishment for them. And he took my sin, my list of sin, and it's forgiven. It's gone for good. He showed me overwhelming kindness even at my worst. And so just as he reached out to me at my worst, so I should be reaching out to other people at theirs. And all of our motivation for kindness, it doesn't come from how we've been treated. We do not respond in like kind. If someone is bad to you, rude to you, evil to you, we don't respond in the same way. But we overcome evil with good, the good of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has reached out to us and showed us overwhelming kindness through the grace and the mercy and the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, in just a few moments, we're going to take communion. And servers, if you'd go ahead and prepare. And what I, I want you to think about because I think we do, we take communion all the time, 
But I often wonder, how often does, how often does this moment of communion like follow you through the week? Or do we just think of it every week when it, the time comes up? Oh, yep, it's time to have a tiny little cracker and another little teeny sip of juice. Is that, I mean, what do we think of every week when this rolls around? Because I think this is one of those important things that is, again, to draw us back to how have we been treated by our Savior? How have we been shown grace and mercy by Him? And how do we live out in response to that? And so I want you just to spend some time thinking today, how am I going to live in response to how Jesus has treated me? Because everybody in this room, we're all sinners, we're all a mess, we've all dirtied ourselves. I say this all the time, but you would run out in sheer embarrassment and probably move to another state if we could take your worst moments, your most embarrassing, deepest, darkest secrets, and put them up on the screen. Every one of us would just be horrified. Even if we all did it together, we would still be horrified. Even if somebody else's in the room was worse than yours, still having yours out there, you would be so horrified. And it's into those moments that Jesus reached in and saved you. And so when you go out into this world, yeah, you're going to encounter people who don't deserve your help one bit. You're going to come across people who don't deserve your kindness even a little bit. They have never treated you with that same bit of respect that you need to treat them with. And so if you're motivated by how people have treated you, yeah, man, just do your worst. But if here you are as a believer and you're going to partake in the Lord's Supper and you're going to remember, the, the, take the cracker and remember that Jesus took the punishment for your sin and you're going to drink the juice and remember that he had his blood spilled for you so he could save you, so he could show you kindness and grace and mercy. That is the motivating factor for how you leave this week. That is the motivating factor for how you treat people this week. He showed you kindness, so you reflect that kindness to our world. Be kind as your Lord has been kind to you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time to talk about kindness. We thank you for this time to talk about grace and mercy and love and all the other amazing things that fit under kindness. Um, I pray that, that we would be open to being kind people. I pray that you would fill our hearts with a, an ability, open our minds and our hearts to, with this ability to spot moments where we can be kind. I pray that you would fill us with a creative nature where we can come up with interesting ways to be kind to people and surprise people with kindness. Maybe it's random acts of kindness where we're paying for gas or paying for someone's meal or, you know, someone just gets notification that their water bill was paid by a friend and they don't even know who did it or whatever it might be. I pray that we have an overwhelming ability to spot needs and to be kind. And I pray, Father, that in those moments, those tough moments, we have the opportunity to be kind to someone who maybe hasn't been kind to us, that you would help us be driven not by our emotions, our desires for maybe revenge or to return evil for evil or to have the last laugh, but you would let us be driven by the choice that we made to trust in Jesus and follow him every day of our lives. Help us not to be people who are crude, not to be people who are rude or whatever is the first instinct for us, but let us remember that in our worst, you showed us overwhelming kindness that we did not deserve, and so let us treat others with a kindness that they don't deserve. Not for the sake of feeling good about ourselves, not for the sake of rubbing it in their faces that we're, you know, morally superior, but just for the simple fact that we've been shown kindness, and so we pass that kindness on to others. Thank you for your son and the kindness that was shown to us in that. As we take our communion this morning, may we spend our time remembering what Jesus has done and letting that influence how we're going to live tomorrow. 
Let the communion we take on this Sunday influence how we're going to live on Monday and Tuesday this week as we encounter those opportunities to be kind. You showed us grace and mercy when we were so bad and so awful and so unworthy. May we be people who can walk out of this room and show kindness without any discrimination, without any judgment, and just radiate your help to our world. Thank you for this amazing opportunity and this calling to live like Christ. We pray all this in his good and holy name. Amen.